All right, well, we're going to just go right into our study from the book that we've been studying here and uh, looking at the importance of choices. And again, I want to remind you that really, in essence, choices are not just, it's not just a matter of human willpower, though we have to realize that we're making choices all the time. But it is a decision to make a choice based upon faith, biblical principle, versus our own selfish choices and to understand the major ramifications for any choice that we do make. So we want to make faith choices. And what's exciting about faith choices, that's when we depend upon God's word. If we're looking to the Lord, we have his grace to do it. So it's just not a matter of making a you know, strong uh, choice, but uh, God is enabling us. Well, we're going to look at it from a little different standpoint this morning. Uh, the, the choice to choose to let go of the past. And uh, that's a very important biblical principle, forgetting those things which are behind. And so we're going to look at different ramifications of this. But Satan loves to cause people to be living in the realm of identifying themselves solely from their past and have a, uh, a wrong perspective on what God can do in their lives right now. You know, perspective does make all the difference. The author talks about the fact of, you know, being in, one, in a carnival funny house and all the funny mirrors, you know, that make you look uh, different. You know, you choose the ones that make you look thin, not the opposite, you know, and, and you have all kinds of weird uh, look. And that's, of course, a distorted view. But honestly, I can tell you, uh, as a pastor, that people live with distorted views, unbiblical views, unhealthy views. They suffer. They have emotional stress when there is no need as a believer, if you're truly a believer, to have that kind of distorted view. And so it's very exciting to realize that God can deliver us. Now, the world tries to solve this by the concept of self-acceptance. And though there is some aspects of truth to it, it can be a very wrong perspective because anything that is self is the opposite of what God wants us to have. And so we have to be very careful about that. Uh, we have to get our perception and our acceptance from God and not from ourselves. And that is a whole big difference. And we're going to come at this from a different, different angles today. And one of the big aspects of getting over a wrong view is to uh, properly handle the past. Some people live a lifelong um, perception of just shame. Well, the, we should confess our sins and feel the shame of, of going against God, but then we should be completely freed by the grace of God and His forgiveness. We must not be marked by our old identity. We need to be marked by our new identity. That's a choice. It's a choice based upon God's Word because it's fact. See, the thing about it is, when it comes to who we are in Christ, we're not talking about a promise. We're talking about a fact. You have a new identity. You're accepted in the Beloved. You are a new creation. That's fact. You have been regenerated. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. That's fact when you trust Christ 
as your Savior. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You are in the family of God. So your identity doesn't come from just working up some kind of thought pattern in your mind. Your identity comes from the choice to believe God over your own perceptions at this point and to believe that God has uh, uh, just has changed your life and that you are no longer what you used to be. Now, if you go to your storage area, just the other day we had con uh, uh, water uh, on the, uh, so humid that one day on the, the water pipes and so some water was dripping in our storage area where we have our old photographs that we haven't done anything with yet. And unfortunately, somehow the top of one of the plastic containers had been um, pulled over a little bit and so I realized, oops, that there has been moisture getting in here. So I had to pull that big thing out and of course, once we got to pulling the pictures out, I wasted about an hour there looking at all those pictures back 25, 30 years ago. And, uh, and you, you have all kind of timeline of history, lots of memories come when you go through uh, different things that uh, you've kept to remember the past. But, uh, but the fact is, uh, the storage room is not where we live. But some people live in the storage room, right? They live in the storage room of their mind of the past. No, we have other places we live. We're moving forward. And you can move forward by making the choice to believe what God says about who you are in Christ. So there has to be the choice to forget. I've already quoted from Philippians chapter uh, three, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now remember, who's writing that? That's the Apostle Paul. And on several occasions, he brings up, such as in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and other places, about how he was amazed that God had used him. He alludes to that here in Philippians also. And uh, I think we almost forget do you realize what a terror he was to Christianity? Families were split up. People were being put in prison. People were being scattered all over. God used it, of course, to get more gospel out. But the fact was, he did a lot of really bad things. Now, if Paul had lived with that guilt all the time, he never could have been the apostle to the Gentiles as he was. So he made the choice to accept what God had done for him, still admitting what he did was wrong, but not living under the cloud of that, having that under the blood, he moved forward, he was a debtor to Christ and wanted his life to count for the Lord and didn't live in the storage room, so to speak. And uh, so I think that's very important. But the matter of forgetting is a choice. It's something that you have to decide to do. Uh, it's, a purposeful, it's a purposeful decision to turn your attention from the past. You don't wipe out the past. In fact, memory of what God has saved you from and lessons you've learned can be very good. But you're not letting the past stop you from going forward. And that is very, very important. That's not who you are now. You're a new creation. And, or you have been forgiven. 
And God wants us. So it's a memory release. It's a del deliberate choice to release the past grip on our present. Let me state that again. It is a memory release. It is a deliberate choice to release the past's grip on our present life. Those of you ladies have had the privilege of bearing children. Uh, it's different for most of you, but childbearing is a difficult thing. I uh, saw, I don't know, have any of you ever seen that little video clip where a couple of guys, you know, tough guys um, were wired up electronically and they knew they know how to simulate the pain of childbirth and uh, it uh, uh, it's it's a hilarious because I wasn't the one wired up uh, to it but it's hilarious to watch uh, that video as those guys you know eh, you know that all of a sudden you know it gets worse and worse and they and they just simulate exactly what a lady goes through in childbirth and I tell you, whenever ladies have watched it that have gone through it, they just roar because these guys are macho. You know, they are just, this isn't going to face us. And they were desperate. It was really funny. Uh, but anyway, of course, I had sympathy with them. They had no baby to show for it. Right. You know, there is a mental, this is worth it because something really good is about to happen here. So there is that, of course, aspect to it. But um, it was painful, right? But do you live in being overshadowed by the pain of that? No, because you got a child, right? And that's the past. Oh, you remember the pain, but that's not affecting you now. Well, that's in the physical realm. But it does give you a little idea of the spiritual realm of how we, sure, it was painful, the things that happened. There's been consequences, but that's not who you are. You've learned from the consequences. You, you have a walk with God. You've got a future as bright as the Lord himself. And, uh, and so that no longer dominates your thought process, nor does it define who you are. You are a child of God. Does that make sense? Very important for you to get a hold of that. So it is a memory release, a deliberate choice. And uh, that's very important. Now... There is one battle that we face. Of course, we got our memory, our brain, and all of that, and sometimes things will just come up, different things, places you go, you'll have to face it. But if you're walking with God, you're okay. But there is this slanderer. His name is the devil. In fact, his, that very word means slander. And uh, he is... Uh, uh, the accuser, as we often quote from Revelation 12.10, he is the accuser of the brethren. And he wants you to remember the past in an unhealthy way, not in an edifying way. And so if you are finding yourselves haunted by your past, you very well may be in the, in the very grip of spiritual battle. And don't let him do that. He wants to get you emotionally and mentally unstable. And so anytime you find that occurring where you know better doctrinally, but you're letting yourself be affected, then very possibly that is the evil one. And just take your stand with the Lord. He is a defeated foe. Claim that and make the choice to release it and you can have victory. But I think we've got to be careful 
when we think we stand lest we fall because we can think we're doing well and all of a sudden you can have darkness come upon you and that darkness is the evil one. But he is a defeated foe. Uh, and you've got to understand that. Though he's more powerful than you are, when, when the Spirit of God is in control of your life, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, you do not have to be under that cloud. And you can take your stand against the Lord. That's why every morning you ought to, in your time with God, have that time of spiritual warfare where you really do take your stand with the Lord and not let Satan accuse you. Because he's going to try to get you off the standing of who you are in Christ. And that's going to get you to depending on the flesh. And that's going to get you into a weak position, a vulnerable position. And you don't want to be there. So be very discerning, sensitive to darkness when it comes. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you about that. Another thing that will cause you to remember your past... And, and trip you up is not forgiving others that were part of your past. In other words, you're not going to be able to release the past yourself if you're living in the realm of bitterness still, unforgiveness with those that might be intertwined with your past. You know, when a person is abused, they have the problem of of having the right attitude toward themselves. They have many times false guilt, but they also have the problem of being overwhelmed by how they have been uh, taken advantage of and therefore they have a problem with the person. Understandably, humanly, very understandable. But there has to be the victory in the soul uh, to uh, forgive, even though some of those things have to be dealt with and ought to be dealt with, uh, every time, but you have to have that sense of uh, freedom in your own soul. So, for instance, the, the best example I know of is Joseph. Was Joseph wronged by his brethren? Absolutely. And uh, I, it's just amazing to me. You, you see no uh, sense of bitterness throughout those chapters in Genesis. He very quickly, somehow by faith, knew that God was using this. He saw God's hand on him. God was with him, we find there in Potiphar's house. God was with him in the prison. God was with him in uh, his high place next to Pharaoh in the uh, in dynasties of, of, uh, dynasty of Egypt. And he, but in all of that, uh, he knew that God was using his life. And so he clearly had forgiven his brothers and it was very evident in how he even was used of God to bring them all back to a relationship with the Lord. And, uh, and now, do you think if Joseph just lived with bitterness about how they had wronged him, he would have had uh, the opportunity to deliver Israel? No, no way. He wouldn't have had God with him. It's very sobering when you go to Ephesians chapter 4, you have that poignant uh, verse there, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, uh, which are sealed into the day of redemption, and be not bitter. You've got the bitterness tied directly with grieving the Holy Spirit. And so if you are grieving the Holy Spirit, are you going to have victory over your bad memories? Are you going to have victory over your own sense of shame and guilt if you are living in the flesh yourself and not having the Holy Spirit's help? Do you see how the two go together? So you've got to make a choice 
you've got to make a choice to forget. But in making the choice to forget, you've got to have very clear spiritual warfare and you've got to not let bitterness be your enemy. And of course, Satan will be part of trying to get you uh, to do that. Uh, I love what uh, Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. He understood how God will use it for good. Now let me say this, and this is a, this has to be understood properly. But all that's occurred in your past, your own sin and the consequences, all the things that haven't been just, all the things that are part of this cursed world, if you're walking in the Spirit, walking by faith, making biblical choices, God works all things together for good. That's an amazing thing. Amazing. So you are not just half a person because of your bad past. No, you're a complete person. And you have a complete future. In fact, God takes the web of all that stuff and turns it into a beautiful uh, portrait of what he's trying to accomplish, a, a beautiful transformation in your life. That's why you don't ever want to be stubborn about anything God's telling you to do from the Word of God. When He impresses on your heart, do it. Be in that complete dependent relationship with God because that's when God can do this masterful work in your life and make your life a masterpiece. Uh, so it's, and, and, and so the grace of God is something that is just glorious. And God takes the hard things of the past and will make them uh, into wonderful things. So you've got to make the choice to release the memories. And God will give you, do you think he has the power to do that? Who made your brain? He did. But you've got to walk with the Lord. You've got to believe the word. You've got to be making choices of faith and you can't be unforgiving. You know, you may have to deal with hard situations. You may even have to, there may be some very hard consequences for bad things that have happened that, you know, that may have to occur in other people's lives, but still forgive them. Still forgive them. And uh, do what is right there. Think of the trophies of grace. Who would have ever thought Rahab would be in the line of the Messiah? Amazing. Just a few generations and David was born. And God took her faith, this dear woman who put God first and uh, put her life on the line. And uh, God honored her. And uh, our memory of her, certainly we call her Rahab the harlot. But, uh, and she would, she would agree. That's what I am. But I am, I am of, the, of my seed came Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that wonderful? What about Mary Magdalene? Isn't that a wonderful uh, reality? One of the first people, maybe the very first person that Jesus showed himself to after he was resurrected from the grave. And what a testimony she had along with others of the grace of God. She had been delivered from demonic control and uh, she was a trophy of grace. And so it is uh, amazing how God can put things together for us. Now, I'm going to make a final application here that is not in the book. And you'll probably hear me 
talk about this uh, in maybe other situations, but I've been meditating on this. If you were in church on Wednesday night a week ago, uh, less than a week ago, I spoke about the fear of man that Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had and how that it paralyzed them from confessing Christ openly. And as I got to thinking about this matter of the fear of man, which bring, brings a snare, it really hit me that at the core of not confessing Christ is not living in the identity of who we are in Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. I've already quoted this, but I want, to, want you just to see it there in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1, this wonderful book on this age in which we live, the church age. And um, we read in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Ephesians, "...to the praise of the glory of His grace." Wherein he hath made us, what? Accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And it goes on speaking of all that we have in him throughout the entire book. But I want you to think with me for a minute. Where does the fear of man come from? It's not just in witnessing. Of course, that's one of our big emphases right now, evangelism in the church. But it's in anything that we ought to do as far as being an influence, being a leader. Uh, fear of man comes because we need acceptance from man. Right? We have insecurity. Now, as I've said many times, we are born insecure because we are born in sin. We cannot measure up to the standard of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some people are more insecure than others because they did not have the reinforcement of parents that helped them realize who they were in Christ. So some people have broken situations that make them even more conscious of the need for acceptance, the need to prove themselves, the need to be someone, to try to meet that, that sense of deep pain that's in their heart. And everybody has it. So if we live insecure, if we do not live with a sense of who we are in Christ, then we are going to be very handicapped on declaring Christ because declaring Christ is going to be a spiritual battle. Might see someone come to the Lord, we may have some pushback. But here's what I want you to see. If your identity is Christ, you forget those things which are behind. You are no longer marked by your past. You are a child of God. You are accepted in the beloved. Everything that's worthwhile about your life is because of Christ. You've been saved by Christ. Everything you do that is good is because of the power of the Spirit of God. You are just overwhelmed in your walk with the Lord every day about how glorious it is to be a child of God. The Christ life is something that is very personal and real to you. Well, if that's the case then, if the Christ life is your life, then speaking Christ is not a problem. Because it's no longer about you. You don't need acceptance. You got it. 
you got peace in your heart. So if a person mocks you, well, you realize this is about Christ, but you're not looking for acceptance. But if you're looking for acceptance, you're going to wilt. And you're going to be scared to do it again because it's about you. I tell you, the fear of man is selfishness because of insecurity. It's a snare. But when we forget those things which are behind and we get a hold of who we are in Christ and really get peace in our hearts and joy about our identity with Christ, then we speak Christ. Do you see how you just can't help but talk about he's a savior not only from hell, he's a savior from yourself. And you're free to, you're free to live and to have a hope for the future and know that God will use you. You, you can't help but talk about him. So folks, let me just say, the lack of willingness to evangelize is a very clear indication we don't have this matter of identity in Christ down like sometimes we think we do. Because if you did, you'd be much more free in evangelism. You still are needing acceptance. If you find yourself getting hurt with people, somebody looks at you cross-eyed and you wilt, you find yourself getting frustrated, things not fair, mark it down, You're not living in that acceptance that you have in Christ. You're trying to earn it. And when people don't give it to you, you're in trouble. You follow me? And it affects you. And it will show itself primarily in the unwillingness to take a stand for Christ and speak of him. See, the idea of confess Christ is to make it known to everybody. I'm a Christian and I love him. Boy, what he's done for me is great. You don't even have to witness right at that point. You just talk about Jesus. Everybody in your workplace ought to know you're a Christian. Everybody in your neighborhood ought to know you're a Christian. You're excited about it. Everybody in your extended family ought to know you're a Christian, and you're just so thankful to the grace of God for what he's done. Right? And don't you think then it's going to be a whole lot easier to witness when the time comes? Because nobody's going to be surprised. Because that's just who you are, Christ. You're not worried about what people think about you because you have God thinking well of you. That's pretty good. And then, of course, Christians who love the Lord certainly see Christ in you and are going to accept you because of just the love of Christ that is there. So that's an application of this. Okay, this is one major application. And I may be, so ladies, when you hear me talk to the church about it again, because I really want to get it down to the essence of why we struggle in evangelism. Because it really is a struggle that is, has tragic consequences. And I really think a lot of it is the fear of man because we have insecurity, we need approval. We don't live with that reality of our acceptance in Christ and, and don't have that confidence that comes from him, not from people approving us. So it's a choice by faith. Forget those things which are behind. You're not marked by that anymore. Aren't you glad you're a Christian? A Christian. You're a child of God. I mean, honestly, you've got dignity. You're in Christ. Did you know when you speak to Christ through the power of the Spirit, Christ speaks to the Father on your behalf. He'll do it right now for you. That's pretty big. You've got a greater entrance than anybody in the of the world has to any power on this, on this planet. It doesn't make any difference. You get to go directly to God. You're somebody, but it's not because of you. 
you're somebody because of the one that is somebody. And that's his name is Jesus Christ. And you need to live with that glory all the time. And if you do, then you will have joy. You will have peace even through the trials. And you'll talk about him. We've got to get back to talking about Jesus. We just need to get, we, we can't help ourselves. He's just so good. It ought to be just part of who you are. Well, people will think I'm crazy. Well, see, there it is. There's that fear of man. Okay. By the way, they won't if it isn't put on. Now, there's a lot of this sometimes big mouth Christianity that's really not spirit-filled. I understand that. But when it's genuine, real, humble, um, they're going to realize it's real. But even if they think it's crazy, you don't need the acceptance. You just love them, go right on, don't get hurt, and, and say, I understand, I was there before. But you're going to find out Christ is good, you know. And, just, and, you're, and when they see you're not thrown by it, it's no fun to pick on somebody if they don't get upset. You know, you want to get a reaction. So just have the love of Christ in your heart, and uh, it's amazing what God will do. So this is a, this concept here has a lot of ramifications. I'm just trying to get you thinking. You can go through a lot of uh, different aspects of how, uh, of how uh, this can be applied to your life. But don't let the past be the cloud over you. You aren't who you were. You are a new creation. And uh, Saul is now Paul. Okay, that's a good way to look at it. And um, though we, a lot of people in other cultures that have pagan names change their name to Bible names because they, wanna, they want everybody to know that's not who we are. We are, in, well, that's, that's, you know, a lot of, uh, you find that in the, in the Bible even. Names were changed because there's a new identity. So rejoice in that identity with Christ. It's a wonderful thing.